I'm so glad to see that you're feeling better. You had a very close call. But you're gonna be all right. Now, just lie still. I'm gonna give you something. It's gonna make you feel even better. Pictures of car washes. Looking at the car wash. I'm just gonna ra- wait for you to run out of steam. Oh, I'm steamed. Full blown. Well, welcome to the Bearded Dicks musical fun car time. Car wash. And car wash. Yeah. We got a car wash in the back. I'm the beard. I'm the dicko. <laughs> the sicko dicko. Yoink! The Frenchman. Yep. That's your new name now, because you're really good at pronouncing French words. Well, you think that, but... No, I know it. That smells terrible. <laughs> it really... It's palpable. Why do you do this in a small, hot room? That's where I am. You could have left. I, I never will you do that. You could have left. I could have, but I never will. Anyway, who's starting this week, sir? Uh, Dr. Dicko is going to give you the sicko prescript. Oh. Prescrippo. Come on, bro. Oh, and that rhyme too. Nice. Uh, Please open your disco box of doom. Okay, okay, okay. So in the last BDMFT, or no, I take that back. It was two episodes ago. I went into Japanese psych rock. True. And I gave an unfair impression or rather an inaccurate impression of the big wigs. Incomplete. I, w- I didn't get them all. I didn't. I fucked up. I fucked up big. I talked about artists that I think of as being the main focus of the scene because they're the ones I listen to the most. Wait a minute, you're talking about music again? Yeah. Ugh. That's how so, it feels every time I do more than one episode on a certain genre of media, and then you do that to me. So I would be remiss without further discussing... Japanese psych rock and mentioning the following artists. Yeah, you would be remiss, you piece of shit. Asahito Nanjo from High Rise, but also Mainliner, and Munihiro Narita from High Rise and Psychedelic Speed Freaks, but also, most importantly, Makoto Kawabata from Acid Mother's Temple. Wow. Yeah. So Acid Mother's Temple is They've, they've put out so many albums and toured the United States like so many times in the last 10 years that I don't even think of them because it's just, it's almost like wallpaper. It's just going to be there for a long ass time. It's going to be hard to get rid of it. Mm-hmm. So, and they have probably hundreds, but at least 30, 40, 50 albums between like the 15 different names of the project. There's Acid Mothers and the Melting UFO Parisio and Acid Mothers Cosmic Temple and Acid Mothers Star Lovers and this, that, and the other. Melting UFO is my favorite one so far. Yeah. So they... It kills me because I was supposed to see them in high school. I didn't. My friend went, who I was supposed to go with without me. She picked me up a CD. And then I've been for every year since then, like, I will see them next time they're around. And now I feel like it'll be, I'll never see them because I want to. So (laughs) I realized as I was listening to to them after the last episode, like, 
how did I miss Acid Mothers? But essentially, if you've ever had interest in what's currently going on in the Japanese psych rock scene and the more like traditional like hippie psych rock kind of a vibe, right? Acid Mothers are the ones you've probably heard about, and they have so many albums, so they're generally pretty easy to get a hold of some of their music. Ghost is another band that I failed to mention that are a mixture of psych rock and psych folk, and they have roots in the PSF scene as well. Uh, but I I just want to mention them. But I bring up Asahito, Munihiro, and uh, Makoto Kawabata because they have been in this nexus of bands outside of Acid Mothers called Mainliner, High Rise, and Psychedelic Speed Freaks. So High Rise is like this heavy psych slash garage rock slash psychedelic rock whatever you want to call it. They originally called Psychedelic Speed Freaks, and then they changed their name to High Rise. I believe it's after the book by J.G. Ballard, because they're those kinds of Japanese dudes who were like were way ahead of the curve and fucked with that shit in the 80s. You know this makes you know what this reminds me of? What? Andy Dwyer changing the name of his band constantly throughout Parks and Rec. Oh. We were Scarecrow Boat, then we were Mouse Rat, then we were Rat Mouse... Yeah, well, they just changed it once. Okay. So, anyway... Sorry, Frank. Yeah, High Rise are one of the most famous psych rock bands, but they're way more of this, like, speedy punk energy kind of a thing Mm -hmm. that makes them different than a lot of the either more meditative or ethereal or free improv-oriented stuff that's on PSF and all the other big psych rock labels. And they were also one of the last ones I heard from the classic scenes. So they're first album or like first kind of proper album is high rise two which originally came out in 1986 on uh psf aka psychedelic speed freaks and then was reissued recently most recently on black editions on vinyl in 2018 which i just picked up either right before or after we did our last japanese psych rock episode so i showed you some of this stuff a couple minutes ago you heard the guitar which is just like this gnarly constant like not it's not like kurihara's style of like classic dive bomb solos or like that ethereal ebo stuff he does it's way more just the sound of like noise being strangled but over a rocking you know beat and with vocals and these like more traditional song structures it's just this like driving ass music And it's the kind of stuff that I listen to and think, like, this has to be sweaty Japanese biker gangs, not, like, Hells Angels biker gangs, but, you know, tawny, taut Japanese men. On a bunch of racing bikes. Yeah, doing amphetamines and covered in leather and slicking their hair back in a 50s and 60s fashion. Banging prostitutes. Yeah, so... That's what I hear. I feel like it's hard not to hear that. And Munihiro Narita's recently gone on to sort of revitalize the psychedelic speed freak name as a band uh, by creating this new project that I'm interested to see if it'll become a full-fledged like band that'll tour and do more albums or if it was just a sort of one-off studio project. But he worked with two younger American dudes in Cali to produce this album that is very much like High Rise, and I wasn't really going to do this as a recommendation, but I guess I will because they're sort of paired together. It's just called Psychedelic Speed Freaks, and it came out earlier this year on Black Editions and is a new album, new recordings, but very much in line. The The vocals are a little less 
good, I guess I would say. They they've grown on me a lot since I got it, but they're they have less of like the sort of ununderstandable, unintelligible Japanese yeah. thing because it's an English like an American guy singing them. I believe it and it's just the Japanese just Munahiro doing guitar. Um but the lyrics are pretty solid for the kind of music it is. It's like weird because part of me hates that it's basically dudes that love this music getting to play with their idol in a band because that seems like lame rehash shit but the more i listen to the record the more I'm like this is a really good record like this these is really good yeah these dudes get it and the drums are a little bit lackluster as far as being interesting but as a vehicle to allow the guitar to just be nasty it's they're pretty effective. So that that's my biggest complaint. But when I went on tour the first the first night when I was driving up to Providence, these are the albums that just jammed back to back to back and just like shot up the fucking highway. Like, yeah, yeah. buddy. Just like chain smoking cigarettes. Driving your coffee. Japanese car, listening to your Japanese music it, while masturbating to Japanese pornography. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty cool. <laughs> so I, I will just quickly mention, and I'll probably do this as a proper recommendation later, but I also picked up Mainliner's first album, Mellow Out, which Ooh. is um, Asahito Nanjo from the band High Rise, and then, like I said, Makoto Kawabata. It's their project that is infinitely noisier, which is hard to believe, because that, like, that has like a fun like energy to it, right? Yeah. But And so does Mainliner, but Mainliner's like way more blown out and I didn't even play that for you yet and that'll be for another day because all their songs are basically 20 minutes long and which is very much the Acid Mothers kind of influence of like long jams but they're everything about the album just sounds blown the fuck out like it sounds like your speakers are broken when you play it because it's so it's like not Everything's just recorded in the red, and then they went past that, and then like they melted the recording desk. It's just daddy like. Yeah, it sounds like you just plugged a motorcycle engine into a bunch of guitar pedals, and then have like a drummer who's like drumming onto I don't know a yak back, and it's just this like <laughs> ultra distorted. But it's really good though. It's not. It's, and it's not like bad news music. It's just. Like, anybody who's ever taken too much acid but then still had a good day the next day, even though they're totally fried, like, that's the feeling. And it's super hot. I identify with that. Yeah. So, I wanted to mention all of those guys, all those albums, all of that stuff as a sort of addendum to my original Japanese psych rock gush fest that was four or five weeks ago. Moving on. Uh, Influenced by those listening habits, I wound up coming back to the Finnish band Throat and I've reviewed them at least one time before this when I talked about Best of 2018 at the end of last year and I think I reviewed their record prior to that individually Uh, they put out a new like album called Bareback last year that was exceptional but also the most adventurous thing they'd done yet and before that they did something that when I first heard it was like whoa this seems really adventurous and now seems tame in comparison to the level of weirdness they've gone to. But it is their 2015 mini album called Short Circuit, which was released on their own Chaos Control Records and Reptilian Records here, based out of Philly, actually, although previously based out of Maryland. And it is an extremely wiry, like, 
I mean, it's noise rock. Throat is noise rock yeah. for sure. But you heard. I mean, we the one song we listened to is just this. Like, oh man, it has these like great like little breakdown bits that are and like the the cleaner kind of mm-hmm, vocals, mm-hmm. you know, that are like croony a little bit. But then this really wrangly, wily like ooh energy to yeah. it, and then their slower songs they still have very much that sludge rock pedigree that they're coming from where they can really do like plodding and heavy in a way that most noise rock never gets from me although it's always what i expect because throat was one of the first noise rock bands i ever got into so i've always been baffled by like the lack of bass in so much of this Mm -hmm. music and they crush that Uh, the ep is only five songs every one of them's good it's it's got a lot of energy, and if you don't like the more plotting stuff, then this is definitely the record to start with, and it's way more consistently energetic than even the newest album. That one has like starts with like a dirge and ends with a bit of a dirgy track and has some dirges in between, so... There's some dirges happening. Yeah, it's Dirge City. But this one is... This, this is really good shit, and... I've just been listening to a fuck ton of Throat in the past like two weeks, and this EP more than any of them now is the one that I'm just going back to over and over. And there's this song called Roman Inn that is the first one I played for you, and it's just like stuck in my head on a permanent loop right now. Yeah, you should probably burn me like some of their albums like I've been asking you to. It's fine. Yeah, maybe. I guess. Bitch. I thought I did that. No. Well, should have asked me. Oh... Well, they won't, they. And then, so, it's funny. I never, I still regret, and maybe one day I'll just do it. I'll get into it as best I can. I wanted to do a dissecting table album, but I'm not really listening to that much dissecting table. I'm listening to some right now, but I'm not where I was in, like, December and January when that was, like, just the only shit I was jamming. Uh, But, anyway, so I kind of, this is... I'm not jamming this as much either, but it feels like wrong that I have not covered it yet. And also this came up on tour. We listened to this a couple times and it's a fantastic album. So for those who don't know the band Drunk Driver, they ended as soon as they were getting amazing. And that was because their drummer had a bunch of sexual assault rape allegations against him. Yikes. That all surfaced right as their final album that I'm... Uh, recommending (laughs) was about to come out and this also ruined his prior band called Wives which then later reformed without him turning into a band called No Age that was like the hot band when I was in college they were like I thought you were going to be like and then they turned into a band called Husbands no that would have been a good one though um they were huge. Anybody who follows any kind of like college, you know, alt rock stuff, No Age was a big fucking deal for a minute. And they're they're really good as our wives, and he's a good drummer, but apparently he's just not a, a good... serial rapist. Yeah, well, it's not. It doesn't. I mean, I've read both sides of it. I was reading about it when it happened, and I was just reminding myself to make sure I had my facts straight before this episode. But if you can get over that shit, and I understand if you can't, but if you can. Drunk Driver's self-titled album that was supposed to be released on Load Records, but then they got dropped and they just self-released it. Although it was all completely done, the sleeves, the everything. They just, like, Load literally took a black marker to all the spines and said, you can't say this is on our label anymore. Um, 
it is a it's an incredible record. We only listened to my two favorite songs, the first one being Quality of My Life, which is just this like and the guitar is just like just this and it never resolves. It starts with this like tense building it's gonna explode into a thing song and it doesn't. It just they just pile feedback on guitar feedback the whole time and all of the vocals are done with tons of delay but they're still like super immediate so you just have this completely deranged vocal sound throughout the whole album and just feedback 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 and then pounding drums and it's to me it's like way more noise rock than it is hardcore but a lot of people just say they're a hardcore band that's noisy mm. it's kind of i mean it straddles the lines and it's weirder than both in a lot of ways but that track was when i was drinking like quality of my life yes tell yeah. me more that's how i feel like just this burning hate inside my heart at all times that's just on the verge of exploding and god damn if i can remember the last it's like something about dogs or something or other dog day <laughs> last dog day dogs dogs are great dip dog daru yeah is the name of the whatever it's a dog oriented last song and that one is a driving like and then just screaming and is real nice the i don't understand any like not a single lyric on the whole fucking album like you cannot understand this dude and no you can't there is no lyric sheet but they convey emotion extremely effectively and it's funny because i remember listening to this album for the first time driving back to school from my parents house when i was on my senior college spring break and we were driving into the fort mchenry tunnel and it got to that last track and we were just like driving so fast increasingly fast just shooting through this tunnel it was just like you know fucking insanity and I think, if I can remember correctly, we're on like a week-long drug binge, but... More than likely. Yeah, probably. And it was just so perfect. And then he went to go see them for what was going to be their final show, or looked like it was going to be their final show, and they they either got kicked off or just agreed to not play the show because all this shit was brewing because of all these allegations surfaced like all in the same period of... The record was announced, it was just about to come out, it got leaked, and then it got cancelled, and then they were going to play a show, and that got cancelled. So he went all the way up to New York, and like the day he got there, like to see them that day, they were like, yeah, they're not playing. And none of us ever got to see Drunk Driver. But they did a bunch of, they actually had an album before, their self-titled one, they have some other EPs, all of which are good, but this was the record that was the culmination of everything they'd been working towards, and, you know, Fuckhead had to go and blow it for everybody. And I have not followed with the vocalist project that he's done since called Uniform, which has gotten a lot of really good press, is on Sacred Bones, etc., etc. They've toured Philly like five times, and I always think I should just go, because if I go, I'll hear it, and if I hear it, I'll love it, and if I love it, that'll be cool, but then I don't, and again, now they'll be the band like, oh, I'll totally see them next time they tour, and they'll never tour again. And nope. I'll feel like a dumbass. But... Yeah, Drunk Driver, self-titled LP. Also, my favorite, probably my favorite band name of all time. When I heard about these guys in college and I was a constant, everyday Drunk Driver. Drunk Driver is your favorite band name of all time. Yeah. Huh. I just, like, between the style, the music sounds as reckless as Drunk Driving, and 
it it just like connected with me. I was like, this is, and it's one. It's not two words. It's one, one word. word. Drug driver. Yeah, it's just like, yep. More no, I'm sorry. It's more like drug driver. I don't know. I just to me, it just seems right. But yeah, they're 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 the kind of band that you can't really like rep their shirts. Although I don't know that they ever had many. You know, they it was a pretty big deal when all this was happening, and yeah, so. Yeah, those are my disco box recommendations. I like it loud, round, e, and the color of p. But you don't like it when other people make noise. Anyway, thank you for your disco box recommendations. Maybe next week we won't be doing music again. I'm just playing. Keep wow. doing music. It's just how you make me feel. It makes me sad. Okay, comic book McGee. Fuck you. <laughs> what is this? G Force? Tech TV? What? G4? G4. I'm not doing a video game. Yeah, you are. Come on, Sessler. Tell me what you got. <laughs> Let's close the disco box first, though, before demons get out. We oiled the hinge a little bit, so it's not as loud. Yeah. But still heavy. So, I... The other day, I got into... I wow. say an argument, but a heated discussion with somebody that said Superman was a stupid character truth and i'd asked them how much superman had you actually read and they said none and <laughs> i said your point is invalid yeah so one of the things that i always recommend as far as superman goes is a one-shot elseworlds comic now if you don't know what elseworlds is i don't it's essentially alternate universes of the dc universe okay marvel has something similar they call it what if most of them aren't as good Elsewhere, Elseworlds has like a lot of much better ones. Like Mike Mignola did one called Ga- Gotham by Gaslight, Ooh. where Batman was in London in 1888 and had to solve the Jack the Ripper murders. It's beautiful. What? It's super good. That sounds like everything that would be good. But the one I'm covering tonight was written by Mark Miller in 2003. Now, is he related to Mark Hamill? No. No. No, 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 no. So he wasn't Yobi Ben Kanodo? In the store, okay. I'm sorry. Go on. We're just having Mark a stroke Hamill. fest out here. Someone call an ambulance. Mark Miller. Mark Miller. Not related to Frank Miller or Mark Hamill. Correct. It was penciled by Dave Johnson, Andrew Robinson, Walden Wong, and well, I didn't know this. Killian Plunkett. Plunkett. Killian Plunkett. I know his name. I don't know why I couldn't say it. Letters were done by Ken Lopez, and the colorist was Paul Mont, who does great work if you are a comic book nerd and you know anything about anything. comic book coloring. So, essentially, what this comic is about is, instead of Superman, he arrived either like three seconds or three hours past when he would have in our universe, in like the actual DC universe. So instead of landing in America, he lands in the Soviet Union. Okay. And is brought up in the Soviet Union and becomes their superhuman. Which is... I, I see the smile on your face. I ha- I do have it. You can borrow it. It's really good. I think it was only three issues origi- originally. It's pretty short, but they cover a lot. Yeah, it was three issues originally. Okay. But I've got the full collection in uh, trade paperback. So he essentially creates the USSR as the main world power. Not just a world power, like yeah. the main world power. Sure. How are you going to fight Superman? Exactly. 
And he ends up taking over and becoming the leader of the Soviet Union. Czar of the Soviet Union. Yeah, he joins forces with Wonder Woman, and Wonder Woman wants to fuck him so bad, but he's all like, all I know is communism. And, uh, and completely does not notice that she wants to fuck him. Better and cabbage. What's super interesting about it is like what they do with every other character from the Superman universe. So Brainiac's in it, Batman's in it, Lex Luthor's in it, Lois Lane's in it, but she obviously she's in America. Comrade Lane. And... I had a girlfriend by the last name of Lane. Did you? Yeah. Was her first name Lois? No. Anyway, so he's raised in the Soviet Union, becomes their symbol, and becomes like a big brother character since he has supervision. He can literally watch anyone ever. Been there. Then there's like a really cool panel where he's literally in space watching over the whole world and spying on everybody. It's super cool. So... He's a pervert. No, he's a communist. Ah, yes. Perverts. So, Lex Luthor and Jimmy Olsen, who, if you know Superman comics, was Superman's best friend. He was a photographer for the Daily Planet. He... Jimmy Olsen is a agent for the CIA, and Lex Luthor is hired by the American government to take out Superman essentially creates a Superman 2 or a Bizarro and essentially nothing they do helps. I'm not going to give too much away because the ending is really good but Lex ends up being the President of the United States. Superman actually does take over the world and for the most part is a pretty benevolent ruler and there are everyone has a job and nobody's starving and there's no crime. There are people who are, you know, kind of against him, and he shoots lasers into their brain and lobotomizes them to make them quote-unquote Superman robots. But it's the art is beautiful. The story is done really well. The ending, like the very, very, very end part of it is kind of like, meh. Yeah. It, it could have been a little bit better. It didn't have as good of an ending as some of their other Elseworld stuff. Like, definitely check out Gotham by Gaslight. Um, Kingdom Come's a pretty famous one. It was done by Alex Ross, who... If you don't know who Alex Ross is, he's essentially the best comic book artist ever. He does hyper-realistic artwork for all of his stuff he's ever done. It's fucking incredible. But anyway... Is he the guy that did Hard Boiled, the Frank Miller thing? I don't know. I mainly know him for his... Probably not. His his big two stuff for like his Marvel and his DC stuff. Cause there there's an artist I can't think of. I don't know his name because I don't know comic books like that. But Frank Miller did I don't know. It was either three or five issues. It was this comic called Hard Boiled that's like kind of based on. It's like a mixture of Brazil and Blade Runner and a bunch of other crazy shit all mixed together. But the art is this. It's not hyper realistic, but it's hyper detailed, and then it's, it's all him. these huge panels of. It'll be the dudes, like, getting hit by a car, and they're sailing over, like, all this... Does it look like an oil painting? No. Then it's not Alex Ross, because okay. Alex Ross literally oil paints pretty much everything I think he does. What? It's... I have... I have I can show you. I have an art book of his. It's really good. Okay. But anyway, so... Check out Hard Boiled. Check out... Yeah. Check out Hard Boiled. I've never read it, but it's I should. Sick. The story's dumb. The art's awesome. But Red Sun was one of those Superman comics that kind of got me a little bit more interested because it made him a different character. Sure. 
It, I wouldn't <clears throat> say it's like the best starting off point, but if like you're not sure you like Superman, but you would like to check out a comic that has Superman that's not necessarily Superman, definitely check it out. Batman in it is really cool. His parents get killed by the KGB, so he hates Superman, and he wears this fur cap Batman cowl. So it's you know one of those pull down fur caps that have the ear flaps, sure. but it's got the Batman ears. That's awesome. It's super cool. Green Lantern's in it. Like it's it it hits all the notes that a good Elseworlds should, where it just brings in all these characters, and Mark Miller does it really effortlessly. It doesn't feel as though he's shoving a bunch of characters in there. Sure. Very much in the same way that Jeff Loeb has this ability to throw a bunch of characters into a storyline and make it work and not seem oversaturated. Okay. It's a quick read. You can get it for pretty cheap. You can get it at most places because it was a very well-received comic. Okay. I'll, I'll definitely let you borrow it. I tell you, I got my dad Watchmen for his birthday. No, did he read it? Not yet, probably, but he'll probably read it in Italy. So, it's a good comic. Yeah. I was like, you've never read... Well, he's, he read, like, some Silver Age stuff, I guess, probably when he was a kid. But, yeah, I'll be very interested to see how he responds to that. How he takes, like, better writing. <laughs> yeah, I said to him, I'm like, just approach it like it's good writing, because it's good writing. So, that whole chapter... Well, anyways, never mind. I don't want to... We did that episode already. Yeah, I know. So but, yeah, good. check it out. It's if, if you're even remotely interested in Elseworlds stuff, it's definitely one of the better points to do. So that is my Best Buy of the Week. Awesome. Well, I am convinced. I've never read a single Superman comic book in my life. I don't, I've read hardly any ever Marvel or DC stuff, frankly, because I'm a Spawn boy. So, and Alien Yeah, you're Predator. an edgy 90s kid. Yeah, big I time. I mean, listen. If it wasn't Dark Horse, then... Or Image. I don't read a lot of Superman hero comics anymore. I like my things to have ends yeah. nowadays. Maybe it's because I'm older. I, I honestly Probably. don't know. But it's it's very hard to collect comic, sure. comic books that are superhero-based. But this is one storyline. It ends. That's all there is to it. There's a couple others that are very good as far as Superman goes. Check out for Superman for all seasons. Uh, that's my favorite comic book duo, Jeff Loeb and Tim Sale. The artwork is different. Um, Tim Tim Sale's definitely got like more exaggerated features, but his line work and his coloring is all done in watercolor, so it's like really beautiful. I covered Long Halloween by them a while ago. Oh yeah, yeah. But that's the calendars, Mister Calendar. Yeah, he's yeah. He's involved in it, but the killer in that's called Holiday. But that's that's a different episode. Anyway, um, check the stuff out. Superman's good. Can I just? I'll end with. It was interesting. So this was probably four months ago, but I went. I was at a very small Comic Con type, not a Comic Con, but like a comic book convention thing, a con, a mini con. Wow! Thanks for telling me. I just was part of Rutgers Day. They had like a little comic book convention on campus. So anyways, I walked in and walked around. And what was so interesting to me, and I don't know if this is different than it was, although I do feel like it is, is that I know people still read and buy single issues, although it's nothing like the Glory Days numbers of what they used to sell. But there were many vendors who had huge collections of single issues as they do at those things. And everybody just wants t-shirts and 
prints and nobody actually buys comics at those things or it, it didn't feel like very many people were interested in buying comics it was it was interesting to me it depends because definitely in our day and age there is this huge move towards that you know being into the stuff isn't as you know bad let's say you know, it's not as looked down upon. You're not an outcast if you read comic books or watch anime necessarily anymore. Sure. And it's it's so ingrained and at the forefront of pop culture that people want to experience it, which I'm fine with. It depends on what kind of con- cons you go to. I went sure. back. My first one I ever went to was a very small one in Cherry Hill. It was literally one room, about the size of maybe like a little bit bigger maybe like twice the size of your living room Mm -hmm. and it was just people who had long boxes out and that was literally just people there for comic books wizard world was a little bit of both of that when i went years ago but there are definitely avenues when you go to these things especially more so the bigger ones so like the bigger ones you go to you've got the people who are there to collect memorabilia you got the people who are there to collect toys you got the people who are there to meet artists and get signatures. You've got the people who are there just for the comic books. Because, you know, just like with Hunting for Records, finding individual issues is definitely, like, something that's really... It feels good to look through something and not be sure if it's there and then pull it out and find it and then find the next three issues behind it and you're like, fuck yeah, I get to buy all these. I don't have the money to buy individual issues anymore. When I was younger, I used to go to my local comic book shop and you could get a cubby essentially where you'd be like I want these issues like this these lines every month so like it'd be like Superman 234 or like Lock and Key 24 like whatever comic it was as soon as it came in they pull it they put it in your cubby they wouldn't charge you anything until you came in and bought it yeah so it it depends trade paperbacks are usually cheaper yeah are usually cheaper but you also, depending on what company made it, you also miss out on a lot of the cover art and stuff. Yeah. I just went on a huge tangent on comic books. I apologize. Oh, no, that was intentional. It, it, it's very interesting because it that just made me wonder because I have very little experience with that. And, I mean, I did buy single issues of 90s edgy shit, like I said, Dark Horse and Image. But uh, it's been a long time since I've been in that game, and basically now my interest is 99% nostalgia... Well, no, that's not true. 70% nostalgia stuff and 30% manga that I don't already own. And really, probably, you should flip those numbers because I buy the manga, whereas I just keep going to Barnes & Noble and looking at, like, oh, the compendium of all the Alien comics. And I'm like, no, I've read these 40 times when I was a kid. I don't need this, but I want it, but I don't need it, but I want it. Yeah, kind of I'm stuff, so. more so concerned with like getting like collector's editions of like full things so I can just sit down and read it. Right. I do still have some individual issues, but most of them, most of my ones that were worth money I ended up selling. Yeah, drugs. Yeah, so, but I do have some things I'm excited about, which I've talked to you about. Uh, Joe Hill is coming out with a new comic series. He's getting his own imprint on Vertigo. It's not Vertigo. It's done by DC, but it's like Vertigo, where it's like an offshoot of them, where it's their more racy stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's not Vertigo. It's just horror stuff. And then John Carpenter is going to be doing a Joker comic, which is interesting. And like part of me, I grew up loving the Joker, but God, he's just like... The people who... Done to death. It's not even that. 
it's not the characters no longer interesting. It's just, it's almost like Rick and Morty. It's like the fans are so insufferable. Most of them are, not most of them, but a lot of them are incels. And like, I never feel good about like people posting quotes about like from the Joker or being like, I wish I was like Harley and Joker. It's like, he's a murderer and a rapist and he abused that woman until she had Stockholm syndrome. Yeah. You don't want that. You're a fucking idiot. Get off the internet. Yeah, and again, I think it's honestly unfair the sort of rep that Rick and Morty fans or other things like that. But when it is that kind of, it's still totally mainstream, but it's got its own weird, quirky sensibilities that make people feel like, oh man, this really hits all my weird, quirky sensibilities. Everybody takes this, integrates it into their identity or maybe like finds a level of ownership that you wouldn't find in most other things that have like a slightly broader appeal. Yeah. So you get people who are that much more outspoken about enjoying it and why it's so great. And that's off putting for anybody. And part of it's just like, it's not cool. Quote unquote, you know what I mean? It's, it's like, yeah, I know, but like, we don't need to talk about it so loud. Like obviously this rules, but like shut the fuck up. So I feel like that is part of that, and that whole shitting on Rick and Morty fandom is almost as annoying to me as the fandom can be. But, you know, just don't go on the Reddit. It's especially things like that where there's a finite amount of it, then people just start 90, like, you know, it's existing for 22 minutes for 10 weeks out of a year, and then there's two years of non-existing so they have to just shit post memes forever yep. so it'll wear you out but if you just don't engage in that aspect of it and watch the show when you want to and just say haha this funny show haha you know it's the same with the comics because you can go on reddit or imgur and find people like you said posting out of context joker quotes or being like single panels of shit and you're just like dude just i mean side note it's just it bothers mainly the harley and joker thing bothers me because yeah. if you read the comics she started as a quick rant. She started as an animated series character right. and was so popular that they put her into the comics. And she is no longer with the Joker. She got away from the Joker because he's an abusive piece of shit and like bloomed into this beautiful character. And then everybody just she got put that. on film and it's like, oh my god, I love Harley and Joker and like I'm just like Harley. And it's like you're not though, but it's yeah. fun. Anyway, sorry. So, yeah, thanks for tuning in, and we will be back with more more bullshit. I, I'll probably have another Finnish noise rock neck, noise rock necker, Roy's knock, noise rock record. Noise ah. rock record. Finnish noise rock record next time, and some more bullshit, and Ben will have another book or some fucking thing. No, I'm just kidding hate you so much anyways this is the end of the podcast so get us at motel podcast at gmail we checked that shit now <laughs> get us at motel podcast on instagram on facebook you can direct message dick fetty if you can figure out how to spell his instagram yeah cogliomia homnivorix i don't know what's so hard about that and send him all of your dick pics and please, please do us a favor. I don't like begging for this, but, you know, give us a quick review and rating on iTunes if you can, or wherever you listen to this, wherever it might be. Yeah. It helps us out. It allows us to keep doing it. I know we've been having a lot of, like, uh, spans recently, but, you know, we are adults with 
lives and we just do this for the love of the cast. Well, we just, we do our best to keep it consistent and my schedule, well, anyways, yeah, we all have life problems, so yeah, whatever. But anyways, thanks for listening, guys. Later, nerds. Later.